When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in sunny, scenic, quarantine Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Bangers only on this podcast, the award winning 615 Sessions podcast. You guys know this. We got Mina Kimes, the exceptional NFL analyst from ESPN. We got four-time All-Pro defensive end Jared Allen and Nashville resident Jared Allen today on the pod. We got a lot to discuss ahead of the Battle of the Undefeateds that will take place at Nissan Stadium between the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We got your mailbag questions at the end of the pod as well, but in the meantime, I got to tell you about the folks who present this podcast, our fine friends at Two Rivers Ford. The Drive the Music Nashville initiative still going on. You can go to drivethemusicnashville.com and buy a $30 t-shirt that, with the Drive the Music logo on it, 100% of the profits will go directly to the Music Venue Alliance of Nashville. The music venues that make up the local independent music venues that make up that alliance, 3rd and Lindsay, Lindsley, the Cannery Ballroom, Exit Inn, Mercy Lounge, Rudy's Jazz Room, so many great places that have been a part of our city's music history and our music heritage and that the the folks at Two Rivers Ford are trying to keep alive. They're trying to keep the music alive in the 615. So go to drivethemusicnashville.com, get you a t-shirt, get you a $5 mini poster, or maybe even a long sleeve. All of them are great with that Drive the Music Nashville logo, courtesy of our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Let's start things off with the great Mina Kimes. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. Our friend Mina Kimes, one of the best NFL analysts in the business. The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny will make you smarter about all things football. You can see her school, Dan Orlovsky, on NFL Live on a regular basis uh, all over your television screen. Mina, thanks for hanging out today. Thanks for having me. It's been a while since I've seen Andrew Lux, so I uh, you know it's good to get some FaceTime with See, the old QB. This is this is so brave with your camera off to sit here and troll me about <laughs> Andrew Lux stuff. <laughs> but it's all right. I will I will willingly accept the barbs. It's gonna be okay. Cause we got exciting football here this weekend in Nashville, Mina. Titans, Steelers, undefeated. It's gonna be lit. Uh they are they're interesting to me because my buddy Michael Kist from SB Nation continues to call them paper tigers. 
I look at them in the DVOA rankings, and overall they're eighth only by the grace of their third-ranked offense because the defense and the special teams seem to be atrocious. What is your evaluation of them uh, so far after seeing five games of the Titans? Well, I, I think to start with the positives, the offense is awesome, right? I mean, it's the most efficient offense in football uh, on just about any advanced metric you look at. I like EPA per play, but um, they're crushing it, both throwing and running the football. I, I'm a little bit apprehensive uh, about this matchup with Taylor Lewan going down. I want to see what this offensive line, which hasn't actually been that great in pass pro. I do think the offensive line has taken a step back this year. So with the most terrifying front seven in football uh, coming down, it's not a good time to lose your left tackle. So um, that would be my only real concern. I th- you know, I get asked a lot, okay, is the Tannehill regression coming? And I think firmly now you can say no. Like, look, he's probably not – the best quarterback in the league like he was last year statistically at times, but I think he's firmly entrenched now in that top 10 group. And right now he's playing much better than that. So I love this group of pass catchers. I love the scheme uh, that I love Arthur Smith. I'm very optimistic about the offense on the other side of the football, (laughs) uh, a little more concerning. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I, I, the pass defense to me has been the biggest issue, the lack of pass rush. Um, y'all are seeing, I think, what a, Seattle saw a lot at times from Jadavion Clowney where he seems to be excellent at just about, about everything else but getting to the quarterback. Uh, outside of Jeffrey Simmons, you're just really not getting that pressure um, that I think is needed, and that's why the Titans blitz so much is they're, they're trying to manufacture it. But – Coverage has suffered as a result. And I think some of the linebackers, like I, I was a huge J.M. Brown fan. I think all of the – most of the defensive players have kind of taken a step back this year, honestly. It's not really any one guy, and so that's been disappointing. Yeah, and and perhaps you can explain the clowny phenomenon better than most people because, you know, they're they're sitting here watching their football team. They've got Harold Landry, Vic Beasley, you know, what, whatever you want to think of him. But with Clowney, with Simmons, Daquan Jones is one of the better nose tackles in the league. Uh, you look around and you see regression from the players that you've mentioned. Jayon Brown is not playing up to par. Uh, Rashawn Evans, I think, is having less of a less of a uh, less of an impact. On this defense, Kevin Byard is giving up touchdowns on a regular basis in a way that we are completely unaccustomed to seeing. But the the pressure is is a is a massive issue because their secondary looks suspect because they're being asked to cover forever. What is it about Clowney after seeing him uh, with your Seattle Seahawks? I understand he's being used differently, but what what is what is the deal? Yeah, (laughs) no. this is the eternal question with Clowney, and um, there's a reason why he was signed this late, you know, in free agency. And I wanted Seattle to sign him. I mean, because heck, something is better than nothing, which is what Seattle has of you know, pass, Russian passer. But um, there's there's a lot of theories. I've heard a lot of different explanations, like because he he is disrupt. First of all, he's excellent against the run, and continues to be to my eye in Tennessee, but. The re, there's this something about the way he plays football, and I don't know if it's like 
I, I, look, I'm not a pass rusher, right? If I've asked people who are smarter than me about that and they all have various kind of theories about the way he gains leverage and, and his use of moves that somehow he can get kind of washed out um, right before bringing down the quarterback in a way that's unique, frankly, for a guy who does when, – when you watch him, he beats double teams. He has speed and power – uh, but I don't know if it's like a lack of flexibility or something. That, I, I really – it's mysterious, quite frankly. Um, but, again, this isn't all on him. Like, I don't see – I mean, Landry's not stepping up, uh, you know. Um, He's allowed to take advantage of these one-on-one -on -one matchups at some point. Yeah, there's other players in that front seven who need to play a lot better. Um, you, know, you mentioned Bayard. That's been weird. I, I, the other safety, I think, has played uh, – what's his name? Yeah. Uh, well, oh, Vicaro. Uh, well, they do they do use the three safety look uh, quite a bit with Amani Hooker. Kenny Vicaro plays in the box a lot, so okay. Be, yeah, uh, yeah. Hooker is the one I'm thinking of. Sure. I, forgive me, my national. I sometimes I forget the individual players. Um, Are you going to start riots here in Tennessee, Mina? They they don't they know they don't get enough respect here. They, oh they my goodness! Well, for really. years I was like uh, for the previous two years I was getting some Tennessee street cred for praising Jayon Brown. Uh, but then now here I am saying what's going on with him in, in coverage and run defense. So I don't know. I, I, I think there is – look, Mike Vrabel is a super smart defensive coach. Um, like young players like Christian Fulton's going to play better as the season goes on. You know, you're, you're getting Jackson back as a corner. I, I, I think this defense will get better. Uh, well, one would, one would hope because they have a considerably uh, good set of skill position players coming in to Nissan Stadium on Sunday. Pittsburgh, Ben looks hugely efficient uh, yeah. with the way that he's not just, you know, not just as a passer, but the way that he's distributing the ball around pretty equally to all these guys. They're right around 25 targets apiece for all of them. When you look at Pittsburgh's offense, uh, Tennessee's defense notwithstanding, what jumps mm -hmm. off the screen? Uh, efficient is really the right way to describe them. You know, Ben is getting the ball out quicker than any quarterback in football. Um, and, you know, so they're really neutralizing teams with good pass rushes, much less Tennessee. This one. <laughs> um, it, it's really about cover. It, you know, it's really about your ability to defend the field horizontally against this team uh, and go sideline to sideline. Now, uh, Chase Claypool is probably one of the most terrifying young players in football right now. So I'll be curious to see how Tennessee handles him. But um, Ben is really point guarding this offense. He's spreading the football around. They, it's a much more creative Steelers offense than I think we've seen in recent years. There's a lot of uh, window dressing before the snap. They're doing some fun stuff with the, the aforementioned Claypool, by the way. They're using him like a back, too. Um, so they're pretty hard to stop. I think you, you want to limit the big play, which is impossible against this Steelers offense and then um it, it really is going to come down to red zone defense for Tennessee because they're going to it's, it's kind of a death by a thousand cuts offense which is not what you're accustomed to seeing from Pittsburgh nope. which which is is fascinating to me you've been been so you know fa I mean famous for bombing it down the field and and I think uh, as he ages they've done him a great favor uh, especially coming off the injury with the way that this offense is being run. On the other side uh, of the matchup with Tennessee's offense, we spent some time talking about Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Robert Mays from The Athletic had uh, a 16-game sample size of him, 70.2% completions, 88, excuse me, 8.96 yards per attempt, 4,112 yards, 35 touchdowns, eight picks, and number one in passing 
EPA. Uh, Tannehill, the, the book on him has been that he is helped greatly by Derrick Henry and the play action, the threat of the play action passing game. But I've heard you on a couple different platforms kind of debunk that notion. So if you could kind of explain <laughs> for the audience uh, what, what I mean by that. Uh, yeah, I cannot tell you the amount of times on my on my own network that I have to uh, fight the notion that Tannehill would be nothing without Henry, and uh, you know that the uh, Tennessee's off. I mean, look, Derrick Henry is absolutely fantastic, and I'm one of those horrible nerds that has devalued the modern running back and all that. But I think he is a very special player, and not just because he's on my fantasy team and delivered me an incredible victory last week. <laughs> um, but you can <laughs> statistically um, we've seen, and, and honestly, this also is, I think of a team like the Rams where when Todd Gurley went out, you, you, you can get these kind of case studies or in Minnesota, we've seen this. Um, the play action pass is not contingent on any particular running back or even the success of a run game. It's just the appearance, right? You just basically have to trick defenses. Now you could argue defenses are more afraid of a good running back, but again, statistically, that's not borne out. Um, so all of which is to say, while I think Derrick Henry is incredibly important to this offense, I don't think the offense depends on quote unquote establishing the run or Derrick Henry achieving X carries. Um, a number that I would just also point out with Tannehill, um, so far this year, he has the fourth highest passer rating of any quarterback in football when he's not throwing out a play action. So he is in the MVP, in my opinion, and I'm not just trying to pander to your audience, he is in the MVP conversation, uh, and there should be no caveats attached to that. That's kind of I mean that's kind of the flag that I've been waving. They hate me here, Mina, because I'm one of these really? people saying, "Oh yeah, because they you shouldn't." I, I was saying you shouldn't pay Derrick Henry, you know, and then Derrick Henry does uh, Derrick uh, Henry yeah. things, and you know, we well, they gave him a, a reasonable contract. I will say that. In in comparison for yes. you know now that we look at Christian McCaffrey and and all of the other deals that had borne out over the offseason, I think it's totally I think it's totally commensurate for what he is and. And how efficient or how, you know, how little you use him in the passing game, all of these things that people kind of look at and study when you're evaluating, you know, what, how much money to pay a running back on a second contract. But with, with him, uh, with Tannehill, it's just never before, Mina, I, I remember when you guys uh, from ESPN came down here for the NFL draft and, and you let me hang out on the draft show with you and Fitzy and Golick Jr. We were talking about Arthur Smith and at the time it was Marcus Mariota. And that offense, I hated to watch them play, Mina. I hated them. They, they just – it was such a slog for them to move up and down the field whenever they were able to move up and down the field. And now what Tannehill represents to me is effortless football. The final drive in the fourth quarter in regulation against the Texans. The overtime drive. And I know he didn't do a lot of heavy lifting because there was a 52-yard pass to Henry, so now officially a receiving back. Uh, but he he has just been so transcendent here, and so much so that Arthur Smith is now getting head coach consideration uh, from people like your colleague Dan Orlovsky and many other people uh, in NFL media. How much how much of how much of Tannehill is a product of the offense, or how much of it is just you know he's finally in a groove where he can play quarterback at a high level? I think. 
he, he honestly the correct answer is both matter a lot sure. um i don't think he's at that kind of you know like russell wilson transcends the scheme level you know uh deshaun watson or whatever but i don't i also wouldn't put him in the same group as the kind of like goff garoppolo mayfields of the world where i think like um cousins i would put in there too uh it's funny a lot of these guys are in very similar offenses right that kind of shanahan tree um where it's all about play action and guys being wide open in the middle of the field and this and that and i i think per the statistic i gave earlier about how good Tannehill has been when he's not throwing out a play action um he has shown a level of accuracy and ability to process defenses that does transcend scheme. I would, again, I, like I just said, I, w- I wouldn't say he's the kind of guy who's going to totally elevate. Like I think if he was in a bad scheme, I, I don't know if I'd have faith that he would uh, be able to lift it uh, or if he didn't have good playmakers, because I think that's the other thing we haven't really talked about is I, I really, really like, the skill players in Tennessee as well. And I think they help him just as much as he helps them. Well, let's, let's end, end there then, uh, because I know you, uh, you have to get out of here, but the, the skill position players in Tennessee, it's something that John Robinson, the GM here, has done really well to incrementally upgrade every year that he's been, uh, been the head guy. And now this is the first game since the season opener at Denver. A.J. Brown dealing with a bone bruise for a good portion of the season, but this game against Pittsburgh, uh, we will see the full complement of Tennessee's wide receivers. Plus, in theory, Jonu Smith, who has been uh, really a revelation at tight end. Man, what a beast Johnny John, Smith is! He he has learned well from Delaney Walker, and he seems to really. I mean, that that's what they were looking at him for when they drafted him out of FIU, and he seems to really have stepped into that role very comfortably uh, against Pittsburgh secondary. How do you like the, uh, the matchup of the skill position players here in Tennessee? Man, I like it a lot. You just got to buy Tannehill two and a half seconds. Yeah. <laughs> if you can, no, I mean, that's the ball game right there because the, the Tennessee receivers are absolutely, that's a, that's a win for them um, versus those Pittsburgh DBs. Um, it's really, who are by, very aggressive. By, that's the other thing, right? Like, so a lot of their, turnovers um they come early you saw that against cleveland so you just if, if you can buy Tannehill a little bit of time and i'm sure they'll uh, try to scheme that up as well i do believe that smith freaking is D- davis is fine right he's healthy he's right? off covid list he's practiced okay. fully uh the last okay. two days so he should be good to go david brown i mean you know they love those shot plays to raymond Humphreys is looking better. Like that, that group is better than that group of DBs. But again, um, in the you, trenches, you got to keep the pass rush from chewing on Tannehill's spine. And that's, man, that's not easy against this Pittsburgh team. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will see how it comes to bear on Sunday. And in the meantime, we will continue to watch Mina Kimes and hear her on the Mina Kimes show with Lenny. Wherever you get uh, your ESPN products, she's breaking down football. Among the best of them. I mean, I appreciate you hanging out, even if you came on here and disrespected me on my own podcast with the camera off. I hope you're enjoying your, enti- your, your retirement, Andrew. <laughs>
615 Sessions podcast on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. We have a great guest joining us now on behalf of his home for Homes for Wounded Warriors Foundation, Jared Allen, four-time All-Pro in the NFL. My brother, how you doing? Uh, doing well. Yourself? I mean, we're doing okay. I, I just got off the uh, the Titans practice field. Mike Vrabel got a piece of my ass, but we're going to survive. I should, you know, taking uh, taking pictures apparently of the rehabbing players not allowed, uh, according to Mike Vrabel. So, but I've survived. I've, I've, that's, I've made it through the hardest part of my day. <laughs> hey, there you go. You know what? Sometimes you just need a good little butt chewing to get through it. You know. Uh, Brable's good at that. Brable's pretty good at the butt chewing. He uh, he get after you every once in a while. No, you uh, you're doing some really cool stuff, and I appreciate you uh, joining us. And I want to I want to start with what you've got going on with the Homes for Wounded Warriors Foundation. You're doing incredible work for vets in this country, and specifically here in Tennessee with your latest project for uh, Sergeant Stephanie Vasquez, who's a Purple Heart recipient. You guys are building and donating a mortgage-free home for her in Portland. And that, I mean, that's just so cool. So I guess, how did you, how did you come to uh, be in contact with Stephanie and, and what kind of stood out to you about her story? So we, uh, you know, actually we've been doing this since 2009 and um, you know, uh, we got, we got Stephanie's application and you know, obviously again, just uh, her, her letters of recommendation are, were second to none, you know, she was, she was on some really cool, uh, missions over overseas and um you know unfortunately you know cut like so many they come back changed right she came back you know missing a leg and um you know that's what we do we build handicapped accessible homes for our own vets coming home from iraq and afghanistan and we um and, and then we do we give them to a mortgage free and so um you know it was just it was actually really cool to be able like so what they asked me what stuck out the first thing was a it's the first female uh, recipient that we've been able to do uh and b the um, the first um, uh, and we have to do one here in Tennessee where you know we're in Nashville now so just outside of Tennessee so it's great so I you know I've been up and we we have checked, bought the land checked that out got to got to you know meet with Stephanie in person so many times I don't get to see people tell whether you know we break ground or a key ceremony or something like that when we give the home away um, and uh, so being able to, to to be with Stephanie through this whole you know part of it and, and just to learn more about it she's on the uh, the Paralympic the hockey team here. Uh, that was one of her goals. She's like, I know I can't be too far from, from the hockey things because, you know, I play sled hockey. So, um, again, and just, just reading through her story. And, and I think that's the coolest part about our, our, you know, our men and women that serve this country. They do it selflessly. Um, and even when they get hurt, they want to do it more, right? Everybody deserves something more. And, you know, and, you know, Stephanie is so tough. She's had recent surgeries and, you know, and then you look, you look at what their circumstances were and, you know, you take alpha males and alpha females, they come home and they, after being injured, they have to rely on other people. And she was, you know, living with a friend in the basement. And, you know, here's, you, you got to you know, put your prosthetic on to go up and down the stairs. You can't, can't be in your chair. Their homes don't function for them. And so that's what we do. We build functional homes for those who, in my opinion, deserve most. No one deserves the American dream more than those who protect the American dream. And uh, like I said, you know, Stephanie had glaring recommendations from her, from commanding officers and, um, I'm not, again, I don't want to go into like mission uh, details. I'm really not sure how much of it. I was going to say, how much is it declassified? You know, you, you get some, you get somebody right, dropping down from yeah, a helicopter to take you out, Jared. You got to be I'm careful. I've been to do some documents that probably don't need to be fully talked about. Um, but again, like I said, just when I read her story, and it just. Sorry about that. Phone died. 
<laughs> you're good. You're good. We were uh, we were just talking about the things that you should not be talking about that are uh, classified information. Somebody came in, shut uh, down the phone. Oh yeah, right there you go. Right, see, I knew I, I knew I said too much. I always say too much. Um, no, I was just saying. I just, I, you know, I think what really stuck out the most was was you know Stephanie was her her tenacity and you know even though she she got her you know her constant willingness to to push forward and, and never use that as an as an excuse and I think you know we see that with all of our recipients you know the number one we think quite you know our answer we get is you know thank you but I think someone probably deserves this more and uh, you know we we try to treat everybody as a, as a part of our family and uh, so we're excited to get this project underway with Stephanie. Um, and like I said, being being local, it's going to be awesome because I can be a part of. It's probably going to be a pain in the neck for the contract because I get to be a part of the uh, the build process, start to finish. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, I mean, like you mentioned, you guys have been doing this since two thousand nine, so this is this is not a new undertaking for you by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm sure you know every each each story of the recipient is unique, I imagine. But I I I can't even begin to to I guess think about how many different you know different stories you have seen from the people that end up being the ben or being the recipients uh, of your guys' generosity at the Homes for Wounded Warriors Foundation. Is there anything, you know, obviously Sergeant Vasquez has her own individual story, uniqueness uh, with, with her background in, as well, but like how, how, you know, I guess what has been, what's been the moment where you've been working with one of these people and it's just really, really hit home uh, for you, just how much it means, what it is you guys have been doing. Well, usually it's our key ceremonies, right? I think that that was hard. We gave a, we gave a house away a few weeks ago, and uh, and out in Nevada, and you know, because of COVID, you know, we did it virtually. Very very small group of people there. Um, that's I think the first first key one I haven't been to, um, and so you know, usually that's when you get to you get to see because we try to keep away from the house the last month or so, and. Um, you know, you get to see the kids, you get to see, but I think the biggest fulfillment we get is, is, you know, when you get to know these people, you know, their stories, their families through the process, because, you know, you're still building a home from start to finish is usually anywhere from 12 to 18 months. And, um, you know, we, like I said, we become friends with them and, and they become family members and, and you get to see, you know, we've seen recipients get married, we've seen recipients have kids um, and to have them be able to have them and start that new chapter of life, that, that family, in a new home, in a home that works for them, you know, to, to see, you know, these men and women baby, get their independence back. That's really what it is. Every time, you know, we do it, I think that's, that's what keeps us going is, is the, it really humbles you to the core to, uh, to see the selflessness and just to think, man, the, you know, for example, we have a recipient that was a, uh, you know, a green, you know, green beret or I'm sorry, army ranger. He has halo wings. And I mean, dude was, I mean, so alpha male, like, you know, just, 10 combat missions over and i remember his dad saying he said when when he has a bad day when Corey had a bad day we take him over to the house as we're building because that was his independence again the ability not to live with his parents you know you got an army ranger has to go back and live with his parents right you know mentally that's that he doesn't want that or, or you know so many, that's what we saw with so many of our veterans and you know, we've had men guys on the suicide watch list and then we've been at their weddings you know a couple years later and i remember one of the moms hugging me she's like you don't even realize what what you did for our son. I think that's, those are the moments we realized, you know, we weren't just building homes or, you know, that's why we're not just building a house. We are building a home. And even when we started the foundation, I didn't realize the, the emotional and psychological impact we would have on our veterans. And, and again, when you, and you talk to veterans that we know and you talk to through our recipients, that's what they say. It's, it's, it's giving us 
it's giving us that independence back, you know, it's giving us something that is ours and, and the ability to, to live a life and when we have to, you know, when you, when you come home forever to learn to walk, talk, think again, whatever it is, the last thing you want to do is have to think about, you know, how am I going to get in my refrigerator? How am I going to wash my clothes? I, I, you know, I don't want to have someone help me get into the shower. And um, it, it, like I said, so those are the humbling moments. It's little things we take for granted. And um, I always say the biggest one, Ken Chandler was a gentleman in Arizona we did years and years ago. We brought him into the house and we hadn't even fixed it up yet. We had just bought the house for him. And he was telling me this was his favorite house and, and this, that, and the other. And I was messing with him. I'm like, hey, kid, I don't know if I really like it. And he was like, okay, Mr. Allen, whatever, whatever. And I was like, I'm just kidding. We already, we already bought this house for you, bro. This is going to be your house. We, you know, we bought it. Dude starts crying. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is cool. And he's like, we have tile floors. He was like, I have tile floors. And he's like crying. I'm like looking at my wife and I'm like, and we got a buttload of tile floors. <laughs> I, should be, I should be crying over tile floors. But he was so happy that he could roll, he could be in his wheelchair now, right? That he, his wheelchair would be able to roll on the tile floor because he was in an upstairs apartment with no elevator and that he couldn't fit his wheelchair in the bathroom. He was just like in tears over tile floors. And that, and that will forever stick with me because I'm like, that right there, just something that simple meant so much to him. And, and you know, everybody in their life takes advantage of their tile floors. And, uh, and so those are the moments that stick with me. Those are the moments that drive me to keep doing this. And uh, again, one day, hopefully we can, uh, there's not a need for it. And, you know, and then it'll stop. I mean, it's incredible work that you guys are doing. Uh, with, with everything that's happened over the last, you know, I mean, I guess it's been almost eight months since uh, COVID-19 kind of <laughs> just sent us all for a loop. What kind of challenges has, has the pandemic posed to your guys' initiative and to the projects that you've, that you've been able to get underway? Honestly, not, not too much. Uh, you know what? We, we have phenomenal partners. Uh, we have some, you know, again, uh, you know, the Home Depot and, and the Carpenters Union and stuff like that and the different, you know, all the different districts of that. And, I mean, that could go on and on and on with, you know, KB Home. We, we joined up and did a home in Texas with KB Homes. Uh, I mean, it's just there's – we've had so many great partners that we really haven't, you know, felt the impact that much. Uh, it just have allowed us to continue, to, like I said, to finish our home a few weeks ago. We have projects going on in California. There are projects going on in, in Florida. We have projects going on here in Tennessee. Uh, we have projects going on in Michigan. Um, so really, you know, my, other than just that personal connection uh, you know, with the ability to, to you know, we, we were in small, I get, we got two employees, you know what I mean? So uh, they all wear many hats. Uh, but like, so, so for us, it, has, it hasn't been that crazy. Um, and, you know, so, we're, you know, we've been, we've been blessed and uh, with the ability that our partners haven't been hit that, that much and that you know, we, continue, we continue to see support and we continue to, you know, get donations and we've been able to continue to help our veterans. So I think yeah, the biggest thing is learning how to social distance, right? Learning how to, to take protocols to make sure that, you know, not, nothing we're doing is, is, is going to infect them with anything or affect them in a way that could be hazardous. No question. How, before, before I ask you some questions about, you know, spending time in Nashville and, and all these other things, where, where can people go to follow along with the progress that you guys are making for Sergeant Baggins? I know you guys are, are keeping track of it on social media. Yeah, you go to homeschoolwarriors.com and you can click on all of our recipients and they all have their own individual pages and you can follow what's going on. Um, and we'll be doing some things, you know, here you know, locally, again, trying to navigate. I think that's the biggest thing is, right? It's a lot of our, a lot of our in-person fundraisers do are more of a thank you to our recipient, you know, to our recipients and to our partners. Um, so, you know, not being able to have our golf tournament, not being able to have our gals, not being able to have our, 
our, you know, our small, you know, little, you know, micro events that we do. That's probably the biggest thing. But um, yeah, like I said, everything's right there on homeschoolingorders.com. Um, and you know, we'll be, we'll be doing now that we're kicking off this project here. We'll definitely, and, and I'm, and I live here, we'll definitely be doing some stuff locally just to, you know, bring awareness and get the community involved. That's the biggest thing. We love getting the community involved because that, that's what it's about, right? Home is about not only just your property, your house, you know, where you're your safest at your most vulnerable times, your house functions for you, but it's, but it's about the community that you're going to be a part of. And so we want to, we always make sure that we involve the community in, in, in all that we do. And so, um, you know, again, so it'll, as we get further in the project, there'll be more opportunities for community involvement. But they said, anything you ever need to find out is right on our webpage. Well, you just let us know how we can help get the community involved, Jared. This is, uh, this is really badass stuff that you guys are doing. And, uh, and you know, everybody in Nashville, and you know, I'm sure this is the, play, the, the case many other places, but Nashville takes care of its own. And I know, I know you, it really you, does. you haven't lived here all that long, if I, if I remember correctly. So how many years have you been in Nashville now? About four years now. I tell you what, I blinked it. I've been here almost four years. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. You know what? I tell you what, when the tornado hit, you know, we went out and, uh, and dove in and, and, you know, brought our chainsaws and buddies and I and, and, and get the family involved. My wife went out and we passing out meals. And I tell you what, it, it was so cool to see the community involvement. It was, it was so cool to see the, the mass gathering of people in, in, from all over, right? I mean, people from out south we're coming up north out you know people out west we're going east and you know i think you know at one point one person was like we have too many volunteers like we don't need that many and and so to see the the the, the mass um the mobilization of, of the community as a whole in nashville and, and davidson and, and williamson county as all together was was pretty cool you know i i, I never lived in arizona we don't have any natural disasters and so you know we never had a really need for community to rally like that and I tell you what, that was, that was one thing that I really appreciated, you know, being able to be a part of that and being able to see how that community really, really, like you said, took care of their own. And I know you guys went through in 2010 with the flood. Uh, I think that was 2010, wasn't it? Well, that was before I got here. So you and I have been, oh, okay. about, been about here the same amount of time. I graduated yeah, right. college in, in 2015, then got a job down here. Oh, gosh, you're a youngin. Yeah, you you're know, it's, well, I'm getting, I'm getting older every day, Jared. I keep getting reminded every time I get a gray hair in my beard, it pisses me off. No, but, you know, I mean, I'm, so I'm experiencing it the same way you are, because, like, I live in North Nashville. We got hit hard by yep. the tornado. Yep. Uh, I mean, everybody, everybody came over here in a way that I was kind of worried about, to be completely honest, because, uh, this this is a, a a lower income area of town. It's starting to get you know redeveloped and and unfortunately for better or worse gentrified to a certain degree. But there's a lot of people over here that it would be really really easy to forget about. And what's been so cool uh, and it's as as along with what you guys are doing with the Homes for Wounded Warriors Foundation, it's just not forgetting about the people who are in the most need. And that's that's something at least in my time. It's been a little over five years for me here in Nashville, but that's always what the city has signified and never more so to me than this year. hundred percent. And that's that, you know, I think that's what, uh, like I said, I, you've got friends here that lived here you know, their whole lives, all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's been uh, that, that, you know, that was my first experience as well. And like I said, we were over in North Nashville helping out and that was the same thing was just, well, we're grateful to you. you know yes. Yeah, we appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> no, it was you know, a friend of mine called and uh, a lady that, a, a friend of ours wife called and was like, Hey, you know, a, a lady that my kids go to their school, her friends are there. And we went over there and I mean, you literally, you couldn't see their house. You couldn't see these trees were on top of you. You couldn't see their car. So we got to cut and we were just like, man, we went back the next, you know, a couple of days later. Um, and I was just like, man, this neighborhood is cleared. Like the, the, the amount of people out there was insane. 
And I think, you know what, it's just good to know. Cause I feel like at some point, everybody's going to be in need, right? No matter, no matter what, what it is. And, and to be a part of a community that, that looks out for each other was, was a cool experience. Um, you know, my kids were pretty young, you know, so there, that wasn't a whole lot they could do, but even my wife said, you know, going out and passing out meals and stuff like that. And, and that's what it was. And I think, you know, I think, like you said, the cool part was that it didn't matter what, what part of the city you were from, everybody was going to whoever needed you and, 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 and trying to do good. And, uh, and they, and they saw it through and heck, I got a buddy over in Germantown. He's like, man, we're still getting repairs done on our property. Yeah, so no question, people, are, man. people are still, people are still grinding through it. And then, then the pandemic hits and, and, uh, you know what? But I think, like you said, Nashville will get through it. Nashville will get through it, and uh, and it, it's you know it's been cool to see. Now, I when when last I heard you interviewed, I heard you do midday one eighty a couple months ago uh, with our friends over at one zero four five the zone. And at that time, you and Keith Bullock and Michael Ruse were putting together an Olympic curling team. And I'm not sure what's gone down. So that's been I think since August when that interview uh, took place. What is the status of the curling team? What has the pandemic done to the practices for the curling it's, team? It's killed it, right? It literally, the <laughs> pandemic's killed it. Uh, so, you know, Keith, Keith, uh, Keith opened up a coffee shop down in Franklin and stuff like yeah. that. So I, he had last year had said, hey, I, I, I don't have as much time as I'd like to put into this. So he kind of took uh, a backseat on it, and we added Jason Smith, and we we started winning some some games and, uh, you know, you know, got to the finals in a couple of tournaments. Uh and so we, we were we were looking forward for 2020. Like this was going to be a big year for us, and then the pandemic hit. And right now, there's really I mean nothing going on because you know U.S. can't travel to Canada. Uh, a lot of you know Minnesota's were Minnesota, Wisconsin, that North kind of where all the practicing you know happens. Those were all closed down. Some are opening up. You know Minnesota's getting hit hard again. So who knows if that's going to get closed up? There's no points until at least November. So there's no real plan of attack. So the everything's just everything's just kind of on pause right now. And uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but yeah, COVID's a killer, man. <laughs> it just it, it devastated it devastated our. But I don't think the dream is dead for sure. So we'll see how we'll get through it. And I think I think I heard something about Olympic trials, all that stuff getting pushed back. But the way I look at it, it's curling, right? I'm I'm young for curling, so yeah. <laughs> even if it's like 2028, 20, I still got a shot. <laughs> That's outstanding, Jared Allen. Kind enough to give us some of his time on the Six One Five Sessions podcast again. The Homes for Wounded Warriors Foundation and the great work that they are doing, uh, especially for this uh, for Sergeant Stephanie Vasquez coming up here in Portland, Tennessee. Jared, I really, I, yeah, I was, I thought about asking you a couple of football questions, but honestly, I think this was a better conversation without yeah. the football talk. Like, yeah, I, you know, but people get enough of football. People get enough of football. <laughs> honestly, it's enough of the, it's enough of the football. I'll, I'll bother them with Titans talk uh, another day. Thanks for hanging out, buddy. It was a lot of fun. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. All right, all the shouts to Mina Kimes and Jared Allen for hopping on the pod today. I really did think about asking, you know, Jared Allen's probably going to be a Pro Football Hall of Famer, and he's had such an exceptional career as a pass rusher. I did contemplate asking him about the Titans' pass rush, but uh, this man is doing interviews all over the country about his foundation, and I didn't think it would, I didn't think it would be a better conversation to ask him uh, about football that he's probably not watching right now. So I think we got the best out of that. And I thought it was a really cool Nashville angle because this is, after all, the 615 Sessions. And it's not just about the sports teams. It's about the people in sports who support this community. So we love to see that. I'm going to tell you about the people who support the Zoom line that all our great guests join us on before I get to your mailbag questions. It's our friends at Tame the Beast. Promo code BEAST2020. That saves you 20% off your online order. 
at GetBeast.com. They create personal care and grooming products for beasts of all kinds. They've got the Tame the Beast body wash, the Tingle shampoo, conditioners, soaps, lotions, all manner of shaving supplies that feature arousing scents and energizing properties. And the best part, it's all produced in the United States of America with globally sourced ingredients. Their stimulating scents are derived from all natural intense botanicals that you can feel good stuff from the earth like eucalyptus, ginseng, guarana, green tea, pomegranate, bok chuol, and moringa. Good stuff from the earth that's good for your skin, your scalp, and everything in between. Check them out at getbeast.com. Make sure you use that promo code. Save yourself some cash on all of their great stuff. Okay, let's get to some of the mailbag questions. You guys know how this works. You slide into my DMs on Instagram, at buckrising, that's R-E-I, S-I-N-G, you ask me whatever, literally whatever you want, and if it is, you know, as long as it's not hugely offensive, I'll probably answer it on the podcast. Now, given that there has been a lot of, uh, a lot of talk about the loss of left tackle Taylor Lewan, understandably, trades are afoot in the NFL. You saw Yannick Ngakwe earlier this morning, as we're taping this podcast, get sent to Baltimore after what, I think he was a Viking for six games which is utterly perplexing to me. But regardless, you guys had a lot of questions about trades that the Titans could make. So Spencer, who hits us up at SGD23 underscore, slid into the DMs and wants to know, uh, any chance we make any moves before the deadline? I would doubt it just because I've been a Titans fan my whole life and I know we usually stand pat. So... I understand why trades are being discussed, and I honestly, I, I don't hate the idea if the money's right and it's an expiring contract. I really don't hate the idea of you improving your tackle depth before the trade deadline just for any kind of prevention uh, or any kind of you know plan if something, God forbid, was to happen to Ty Sambreo or Dennis Kelly so that you're not, you know, Isaiah Wilson, again, not practicing today as we record Thursday after Titans practice, he again will not be able to contribute to your football team on Sunday. A surprise literally to no one except for apparently the people on Twitter. With the trade deadline though, I saw a couple of different names floated. Though really the only one that makes sense to me as I kind of looked through uh, their positions of need and who might be, what contracts might make sense for them to acquire Riley, I think it's pronounced Reef. Riley Reef, he's a tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, who apparently are in the middle of a, uh, of a garage sale, of a fire sale, as they ship off all their parts. He is, uh, he is a tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. He had to restructure his contract this year, earlier uh, in September, I believe, uh, as Courtney Cronin of ESPN wrote, restructured his contract so that he could stay with Minnesota and allow them to free up a little bit of cap space for, ironically enough, Yannick Ngakwe. Now, I don't know what it would cost to go out and get Riley Reef. Uh, he's 31 years old. He spent the first five years of his career with Detroit, and then he signed a five-year, $58.75 million deal, million dollar deal with the Vikings three seasons ago. Uh, he's not been otherworldly. He's been fine, but at this point, that's kind of all you're looking for in a serviceable offensive tackle. So with a contract like that, if the money's right and the draft capital is right, I would be comfortable with a trade like that. 
what I will say to you, because Spencer points it out in his question, um, John Robinson doesn't make in-season trades. The only time he's done it is to send Kamale Correa away to Jacksonville earlier this season, and that's only because the player requested a trade, and inexplicably, Jacksonville didn't want to wait for the Titans to just release him, so John Robinson somehow found a way to get a sixth-round pick out of it. Uh, So it's not in his M.O. to do those kinds of things, really anything before the deadline, because it would be uh, utterly unprecedented for John Robinson. But I will say that this is an unprecedented year, that they are 5-0, and that I don't think he wants to do anything that would jeopardize the success of Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, and that tackle is a very, very important piece of that puzzle. But Ty Sambreo was signed here to be that piece that you guys are now looking for uh, and clamoring for on the, on the market. You're not going to get much better available or you know available via trade than Ty Sambreo. So that's kind of a situation where I think you would look to ride it out. Uh, we had a couple more questions about trades, honestly, in the DMs, and I just I cannot I cannot for the life of me uh, justify answering any of them. Just you know I, I love you all I, I really really do. But trade Twitter is just it's just such it's just a, it's the seventh circle of hell <laughs> when it comes to Titan social media. But we did have a question. From Brandon, based God Bandai, I think is how you pronounce it. And he wants to know how legitimate the conversations are about Arthur Smith as a head coach. Now, ironically enough, Arthur Smith, we spoke to him Thursday morning via Zoom. And Paul Kaharski asked him the question of whether he is prepared to uh, submit a blood oath that will keep him in Tennessee for the remainder of his days. And Art... Uh, gave a very, very informed response on the matter, this audio courtesy of the Titan Zoom call that we had this morning. Hey, Art, uh, I know it's always an awkward subject, and uh, I'll go ahead and put you in the awkward spot. A lot of talk about you as a head coach after the season ends. I know you're focused strictly on Pittsburgh. Wanted to give you an opportunity to offer a blood oath that you'll stay in Tennessee uh, for the remainder of your life. (laughs) Put it this way, I mean, there's a lot of things and things change week to week and got to have perspective in this business. Uh, I, I say this, the, only, the best thing that, that, I, that, that I've gotten, the only thing I care about is the job I'm doing. And I, and I mean that as all sincerity. Like, I, I'm never worried about the worst part of the job and I've never worried about another job. Like, cause you, you, I feel so fortunate to be in this spot and I, and I, I got to prove my worth every day and earn it. And I got to get better as a coach. And that's all I care about. How do I help us win? How do I serve this team? And, and can I do my job better and help us win? And that, that's, uh, and I really don't, because you go down that road, I've seen people you start looking about something else, you know, down the road there, or you start getting afraid thinking that, you know, you're in a shell of yourself because you think you're going to get kicked to the curb and it's ruins you either way. And you just kind of stay neutral and that's, it's all I care about. Can I earn my job every day and do the job I've been hired to do? So that's the only answer that he can give, right? I'm focused on the job that I've got right now. I'm grateful for the opportunity, and I've seen it happen to too many. I'm paraphrasing now, but he's seen it happen to too many other guys where they get distracted about a job that they could potentially get, and it takes away from the job that they're currently doing. Arthur Smith is not that kind of guy. So it is incredibly possible 
that given that, as we talked about with Mina, that he now presides over the most efficient offense in football, and this league hires offense to be their head coaches, much, much less they hire play-calling head coaches, play-calling offensive head coaches to, uh, to be the face of the franchise from a coaching perspective. It's very, very possible that Art would be in consideration. I saw John McClain of the Houston Chronicle write a column about the, Tex- the Texans should look at Arthur Smith which would just be a knife in your side. But at this point, don't worry about, be like Art, right? Don't worry about the job that you, that he could potentially get. Worry about the job that he's doing now. That, as we sit here on Thursday, October 22nd, with with a Sunday that will feature two undefeated football teams at Nissan Stadium and two of the best offenses in this sport, Focus on the job that Arthur is doing right now. He's got the right approach, and I think you guys should take that approach with him as well. That's going to do it for this week's pods. We had great conversations. Shout out to Dennis Kelly, to Mina Kimes, to Jared Allen for being this week's conversations. We'll have many, many more for you as we continue to roll along through this football season. Shouts to you guys who subscribe, rate, and review to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. Remember, you can slide into my DMs on Instagram at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G, and leave your comments, your questions, your concerns. We will answer them here on the pod every Thursday in the mailbag. Uh, also, remember to support the people that support this show. That's Two Rivers Ford and Tame the Beast, the best automotive buying experience in the mid-state and the best grooming products that allow you to perform at your beastliness or beastliest I don't know (laughs) regardless check them out at getbeast.com and make sure you use that promo code beast2020 enjoy the weekend as always enjoy the football and me even more importantly I need you to stay safe stay clean stay hot Nashville and if you're inside Nissan Stadium Come say hi from a socially distanced perspective, of course. This has been the 615 Sessions Podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.